You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Good morning, everyone. Trust that uh, you had a wonderful Christmas celebration and still are, according to some. Joel's still celebrating Christmas. And um, this is the last Sunday of the year, isn't it? <laughs> We actually concluded our Unboxed series last Thursday during our Christmas Eve service. And we will be starting a brand new series next uh, Sunday uh, for the whole month of January. It will be entitled Dare to Believe. So it's the same title as our prayer and fasting. Actually, the prayer and fasting is tied in with that uh, sermon series. So it's a five-week series. And we're going to look at uh, you know, uh, five different characters in the Old Testament who who dared to believe God for the impossible, and God pulled through for them. How many of you um, are believing God for the impossible? Okay, so, and today I'd just like to basically start off, you know, with like a, an introduction to that series, and that's also, I believe, is a proper ending for, for the year. You know, um, as we look, as the year is ending, we look back, some of us have enjoyed this year. How many of you have enjoyed this year? You know, you've seen God's blessing and His goodness. But this year, I mean, in every year of our lives, we also face challenges and um, some adversity, some trials, some difficulties. And some of us would like to erase those, just like, you know, okay. Okay, so we wish that as the new year turns, as we enter a new year, we wish that all our problems would disappear. But many times we realize those challenges and problems still persist, right? So, and many times we feel ourselves discouraged and weighed down by these problems to the point that some, some of us, you know, lose heart and give up. And we just hang up the towel and, you know, throw the towel in and say, you know what, this situation is not going to change. I mean, this is the, my lot in life. And some of us get so discouraged to the point that we lose our faith in God. And, but God wants us to continue to look to Him even in the midst of challenges. As a matter of fact, it's in those challenges that you will see and discover the greatness of God. As you read the Bible, as you look at the stories of the Bible, those people who had a great revelation of who God is were those who have gone through tremendous adversity and God showed Himself faithful. Amen? And so I'd like for us to end the year with a very encouraging narrative on faith. Okay, and with that, I'd like to ask all of you to please stand as we read God's Word. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 26. And I want you to start believing God for the miraculous. You know, God is a God of miracles. And only He can, you know, can, can give you the breakthrough in your life. So start believing. Okay, so Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to read from verse 18 down through verse 26. Okay, while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. 
And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. Heavenly Father, we thank you that with you all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with you. Lord, even the direst of circumstances do not intimidate you. Lord, you look at our circumstances and you're not intimidated because you can change our circumstances. But even if we cry to you and we, you don't change our circumstances, we thank you that you can change our hearts so that we can overcome our circumstances with faith. But Lord, you are a good God that you're so good to us that you not only change our hearts so that we would have great faith, you also, Lord, reward our faith with altering the circumstances and changing everything for your glory and for your purpose. And so, Lord, with that, for that we rejoice and we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us, that you desire for us to know you and to display your glory, power, and splendor in and through our lives. We receive your word today and let your miraculous power and grace abound in our lives so that your glory may be revealed in us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all take your seats. So I want to talk to you today about faith, but not just faith, but faith in action. Okay? Faith in action. And we, I want you, I want to encourage you, to challenge you, to dare to believe God for the impossible. Okay? I'm not talking about, you know, thinking about your wildest dreams and believe God for it. No, I'm, this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about your selfish dreams and God being your genie. That is not what I'm talking about. Let me get that clear from the outset, okay? Okay, so some of you are thinking already, oh, I'm going to believe God for $20 billion. You know, so that's, you know, whatever God's plan is for you is better than the $20 billion, okay? So, but I want you to be in faith and put your faith into action, okay? Now, this message today is... Uh, and the main idea here is that true faith always leads to action. Okay, it's not just believing and believing but, and not doing anything. Okay, real faith is proven by our actions. It's proven by our deeds. It's proven by how we go about circum our circumstances. Now, often we mistake our circumstances as the fact of our circumstances as truth. But let me say this. There's a difference between truth and fact. Okay, there is a difference. Okay? okay? It is a fact probably today that you're sick. But you don't have to be married to the fact that you will be sick for the rest of your life. The truth is you can be healed even if you're sick. But many times we resign to the fact. But we don't cling on to the truth. The greater truth that God can heal your sickness. Many of us resign to our circumstance as final fact that, you know, we will never get out of poverty or we will never get out of this, this situation. But you know, God is a God of miracles and that is the greater truth. Okay? 
was it Adidas? I'm not sure if it was Adidas or Nike or Reebok. I don't know. I forget. It was a long time ago. But they said, impossible is nothing. How many of you, do you remember that? Anyway, they said, impossible is nothing. And it, was, it wasn't Nike or Adidas or Reebok who, who has ownership of that. The only one who can really say that is God. Okay? Impossible is nothing to him. That's why he is God. And when we trust God, that means we put our faith in a God who is supernatural. Supernatural means super above the natural. We put our faith in a God who can do the impossible, who can suspend nature and bring in the miraculous. Do you believe this? In a postmodern world that we live in, do miracles still exist? Yes, they do. You see, many people think they can't think away and change the realities of things. Truth will be truth whether you believe it or not. Do you realize that? If you say, I don't believe in gravity, I, I refuse to believe in it, I choose not to believe in it, will that thought change the nature of gravity? It will not. Okay, so by thinking that I don't believe in gravity, do you think you will float in the air? It won't. See, gravity doesn't care if you believe in it or not. It is true. Does that make sense? And you see, with God, many times we fail in our faith by surrendering to our circumstances when in fact God is saying to us, continue to stand in faith. Okay? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Not all facts are true. God wants us to base our lives on His truths. We should not base our lives, we should not make decisions based on the circumstance. We should base it on His truth. Okay? Because His truth is eternal okay and god wants us to base our lives on his truth and we do so by faith when we base our lives on his truth the operative word there that connects our lives to his truth is faith okay this is us that's his truth what connects to that truth it's faith it's faith that grasps god's truth it's faith that holds on to the truth of god no even if you don't see the truth of God, you know it's there. It's true. Right? How many of you know it's true that you have a brain? Do you have a brain? Yeah. Do you know that for a fact? Do you know that it's the truth? Really? Have you seen your brain? Have you smelled your brain? Have you tasted your brain? Have you touched your brain? Have you felt it? Some of you say, yeah, if you do this, you will really feel your brain hitting your skull, something like that. So, Really? Go through the scientific process of, of uh, sense, right? Observe. Have you seen it? Have you felt it? Have you touched it? Have you smelled it? Have you heard it? Did, did your brain talk to you? Does it make that humming sound? Have you heard it? So by the scientific process, all those things, you haven't experienced those things, right? Really? Right? So by the scientific process, therefore, I have not seen, heard, felt, Touched, or whatever is the other one, tasted my brain. Therefore, I don't have a brain. Right? Right? You said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> you see, sometimes we yield to these earthly things and say, that's it. We limit it to the natural, but in fact, truth is supernatural. It's above the natural. But many times we just... Live in the natural. 
God wants us to live beyond what is natural. And how do we connect to that? It is faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things that, that are hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's a conviction. You know it's true. You don't have to see it to believe it. And that's what faith is. You don't have to see it to believe it. You know it's true. Okay? Now, as we look at the story, it's a story of a ruler. And we looked at uh, the book of Matthew. And in the other synoptic gospels, in Mark and in Luke, they mentioned the name of this ruler. And this ruler's name was Jairus. Okay? And he was a, a ruler in, in a certain city. When you say ruler, it's not the king, but basically he's, he's um, you know, one of the, the elders or probably the leaders in the community. And so the certain ruler had a daughter who just died, okay? He had a daughter who just died. And how many of you have, a, if you have a child that has passed away, how many of you know there's a sense of finality to that, right? It's not over until it's over. When life is gone, it's over. And then there's this woman with the issue of blood. She had been discharging blood for 12 years. Now, for the ladies, you know this as a monthly thing, right? And it's very uncomfortable. And if you could get away with that, from that thing, you would want to because of the discomfort, right? But this lady has been having that for 12 straight years, no breaks. Can you imagine? Some of you ladies are just squirming okay so 12 straight and, and in their culture a person with that kind of sickness is seen as unclean in their culture and as unclean they have to shout to everybody unclean so that nobody will touch them so that nobody would be defiled by them because when they when people touch them they can't they're defiled they can't go to the to worship god in the temple okay so you have to shout, unclean. That's what the law demanded. Okay? And so, this lady, can you imagine the isolation? You can imagine the, the, uh, the rejection that she must feel. She must have felt, right? And 12 years. For some of us, one year of that kind of situation or circumstance would disintegrate your faith. Imagine 12 years. So there must have been a sense of finality to it, but they found hope. And let's pick up the story here. And both of them, basically, so both characters, the ruler whose daughter just died and the woman with that issue of blood for 12 years, okay, both of them had seemingly impossible circumstances there was a sense of finality to their circumstance, okay? And if you look at it, there was no hope in the natural. That's it. Where do you go from here? So the question is, right now for all of you, are you in a hopeless situation? Are you in a hopeless situation right now? Probably after hearing the circumstances of these two, you would say, oh, I think I'm okay. But many times we still get discouraged by our circumstance and sometimes we feel it's hopeless and sometimes we 
surrender to that circumstance and say, you're final. Nothing can change you anymore. Nothing can change my circumstance. And we just resign to it. Okay? They both, they both had impossible circumstances, and they, but both of them heard Jesus. Both of them heard Jesus. Both of them heard about what he could do. Now, Jesus has been performing miracles. Okay? He's been healing the sick. He's been driving demons out of people. And, uh, you know, perhaps he could do a miracle for me. How many of you heard about Jesus? Now, how many of us have heard about Jesus in our circumstance and still, okay, I've heard about him, but, uh, okay, I'm not going to do anything about it because I'm not really convinced that he can do something for me. Okay, I am the one, I am the controller of my destiny. I'm the one who will write my destiny. I'm the one who's going to make things happen. But these two not only heard about Jesus, okay, they dared to believe in him. They believed Jesus can do the impossible in their situation. You see, there's a thing, you can call it desperation. And maybe they're just desperate. And sometimes you would say, you know what, people are desperate. They throw logic out of the equation. But here's the thing. A lot of people try to put the things of God, the realities of God, and matters of faith, and they try to fit it in the natural mold of logic. Thinking, and by doing so, we, people are saying that logic is supreme, that God must fit in the logic, or we reject it. Or the circumstance must fit in the logic, or we reject it. Do you get, do you, are you getting this? Are you tracking with me? People think logic is supreme, and we try to fit God there. You see, God is greater than our logic. We are finite beings. God is infinite. Can you fit the ocean in a bucket? That's the frailty of that kind of thinking. And you see, there's so many things, there's so much in the universe that's beyond our logic and comprehension. That's why faith is necessary because God is beyond our natural faculties and capabilities. And what can hold on, what will make sense to the things that doesn't make sense in, logic, in terms of logic will make sense in faith. Okay? That's why faith is important. They believed that Jesus could do the impossible in the situation. They were convinced that he, he was their only hope. What about us today? In our circumstances, do we think about how to solve our problems? Or are we desperate to come to Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus can do the impossible and change your life? What are you going to do about it? You see, in this, in this story, because they heard about what Jesus can do, it stirred faith in them. They heard about Jesus, and faith was stirred. And you see, faith comes by hearing, the Bible says in Romans. Faith comes by hearing. They had impossible circumstances. They heard about Jesus. They believed Jesus can do the impossible in their situation. And then their faith, because of that belief, that conviction, it led them to action. Okay? It led them to action. And faith, real faith, always leads us to a corresponding action. Okay? 
So the father went. Here's what happened. The father went before Jesus and knelt before Jesus and said, My daughter just passed away. But if you would come and lay your hand on her, she will live. Where did he get that? Where did he get that? Did, did God speak to him about that? I don't know. But probably he has heard of the stories of how Jesus brought healing and deliverance to people and how he had performed miracles on people. Laying hands. We know we can only speculate. But the point of the matter is this, that he came to Jesus. He heard about Jesus and his response was he came to him. Many of us say today, Lord, I have a problem. I hear about you. I know about you. I believe you can. So you come to me. Okay, okay, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to wait for your miracle. In a sense, yeah, we do wait for him, but we, there is a sense of coming to Jesus for that miracle, and that is faith. Now, the woman went behind Jesus. Remember, why didn't she just go to Jesus and ask him, can you heal me? Remember, in that culture, she was rejected. Just by the sight of her, people would just shoo her away. Away from us, away from us. And she has to say unclean. And so in the commotion, when, peop- when uh, Jesus was on his way to Jairus' home you know, to, to lay hands on his daughter, and there, there was a commotion there. His disciples were following, crowds were following him to see what's going to happen. And so in the commotion, the, the woman was able to sneak behind Jesus. And she said, if I just touch the fringe of his garment, I will be made well. There was desperation in her, but she had her faith in action. And she actually went to Jesus, behind Jesus, and didn't even want to have a face-to-face, probably because of the shame. But she went behind and touched just the garment, just the edge of his garment. And Jesus, all the people crowding around him, he stops, notices it. In another account, in, in the other Synoptic Gospel, it says that Jesus felt power flow through him. He said, who touched me? In the other Gospels, he said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, Lord, you see all these crowd, crowds of people around you. I mean, what do you mean, who touched you? Somebody touched me. But here, Matthew didn't even bother with those details. He said, and Jesus basically noticed, turned around. And he knew exactly the woman's situation knew exactly what happened and knew exactly what her faith was. Without asking, what did you do? Jesus just said, woman, your faith has made you well. You see, both, both of them faced the facts. I'm sick. My daughter is dead. That's facing the facts. But... See, with faith, there's always that open door for the miraculous. So both of them face the facts, and yet they turn to faith in Christ. Both had active faith. Okay? James 2.17 says this, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see, faith is proven by the corresponding works or deeds or actions. Faith without action is dead. Okay? When you have the faith, you're believing God to 
give you a financial breakthrough. But you know, Scripture tells you that the more you hoard, the more it, it will be taken away. But the more you give, the more it will be given back, right? You know that's what the Scripture says. And you are in a financial bind, and you're trusting God to, to provide for you miraculously. And then God answers your prayers by sending someone who has a need to you. And you go, I'm in need. Can't help you, sorry. You see, that is God's very solution. He wants you to trust His Word. And go beyond logic and do what He says and see how He will manifest Himself and His faithfulness to you if you trust Him. The thing is, many times, we say we trust and believe in God, but when He... <laughs> so to speak, you know, when, when he puts our, our money where our mouth is, we take matters in our own hands. We dare not trust God. Because realistically, our fallen nature is this. It's hard for us to trust. Who do we trust the most? Ourselves. We think that we can do a better job than God can. Because we don't want to be out of control. We want to be in control our circumstance. But that's what trust is about. A big part of trust is relinquishing control. And when you trust someone, that means you're, you know, giving up part of that control or maybe your whole control. And when you put your trust in Jesus, that means you relinquish control of your life and let him be the full Lord of your life. That's what it means. Many of us don't go and do things don't have action with our faith because our faith is just but lip service. In our heart of hearts, we don't really trust God. We trust ourselves. But these two had desperate faith, and Jesus was their only hope, and they put their hope in, in Jesus. Both came to Jesus. Even in her shame, she still went. The ruler asking, I mean, a ruler is a dignified person, right? Right? In society. Asking someone to bring your dead child back? That's, what? that's, that's unheard of. That's, that's crazy. That's impossible. And you see, both of them didn't care what others would think. When you're at the point of desperate faith, all you think about is what God says and what God can do. And so here, both of them came to Jesus, and they had active faith. And here's the thing. They both had active faith, and Jesus saw their faith, and he rewarded their active faith. See, God, Jesus sees faith. That's what he sees. Okay? Well, you know the thing that Jesus takes notice of is faith. When you have faith. He sees it. And when he sees you, you trust him. He rewards faith. Right? Matthew 9, 2. To prove that thesis, let me give you a few scriptures here. Just, uh, you know, uh, right before our story, here's another instance of healing. It's right before our main passage. In Matthew 9, verse 2, says here, Behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, 
And when Jesus saw their faith, it wasn't even the faith of the paralytic. It was the faith of his friends. They brought this guy, this paralyzed guy, to Jesus. It was their faith that Jesus saw. And it says here, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And what? We want you to, to heal him. But the Pharisees there said, who can forgive but God alone? Who's given you the authority to, to say that you can forgive sins? Have you made yourself equal with God? And Jesus said, basically, you know, he said, you know nothing about what you're saying. To show you that I have authority to forgive sins. Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to heal this paralytic? Which is easier? In the natural minds of the people, the Pharisees, they would naturally think the easier thing to do is to say you're forgiven. Because to heal someone would be a miracle. Here Jesus said, easier to do, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But to show you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Basically saying, I have the authority because I am God. Okay? He said, I'll do the thing that will impress you more. He didn't do that really to impress him. He... he Healed the paralytic to show that he had the power to forgive sins. If he can heal, which is something miraculous, then he has the power to forgive. And he forgave. But here's what happened there. Jesus saw the faith of those four people. Faith of the paralytic's friends. You see, the woman was healed. Jesus said to her, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. See, the Lord went with the father to raise the dead girl back to life. And so right, and right after these uh, instances, see, Jesus didn't stop healing from there. So right after this instance, Jesus healed again. Look, look at the, the next story. There were two blind men. So after raising the, the dead girl to, back to life, he went out, and then two blind men were following him in the crowd, and they were crying out to, to him, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they were blind. Okay? They're crying out. In the other Gospels, in the other account, parallel accounts, it says that some of the disciples said, Be quiet. Be quiet. But they shouted all the more. So they're both blind men shouted, Son of David, have mercy on us. They were pleading to him to have mercy and heal them. And here Jesus said, Do you believe? that I can do what you're asking. Yes, Lord, we believe. Jesus is right before you today and asking you, do you believe I can do the impossible in your situation? Do you really believe it? He asked that so that they would have that confession. Yes, we believe. And here, he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. See, Jesus sees faith. And he said to the woman, your faith has made you well. And here he said to the two blind men who he just healed, according to your faith, be it done to you. You see, Jesus responds to faith. And he rewards faith, active faith. Okay? So here, as we're winding down, I, want, I just want to draw some lessons here. You've probably seen these lessons, but I just want to... Make sure that all of us are on the same page, okay? So some lessons we can learn from this 
from this narrative. Simple message. First, believe in your hearts. So what does it mean for us now? Maybe you can have an impossible situation. You've heard about Jesus. Now your response is to believe in your heart and come to him and let your faith be active. Believe in your hearts that Jesus can do the impossible in all your circumstance. He must be the object of your faith. Don't stop believing. No matter how hard your circumstance may be, no matter how challenging or how impossible it seems to overcome, don't stop believing in Jesus. Okay? Don't stop believing. Some of you are thinking of the journey song. Don't stop believing. Let me say this. Truth and fact. Okay? Sometimes we say, I'm sick, that's the fact, and it's final. The truth is, God is greater than your sickness, and He can heal it. Would you put your faith in God, who can, take, who can remove that sickness? You see, the object is not the healing. The object here is the faith. It's the trust. Will you trust God? Will you believe in your heart that He's trustworthy and He can do the impossible? You see, many times God says, God says His truth, but many times here's what we do. We put a question mark where God places a period. Adam and Eve did that. The devil did that. The devil usually comes. You know, God speaks to you. David, you're a mighty man of God. Puts a period right there. I want you to know that that's the truth. And here comes the devil with a big question mark. David, are you really a man of God? Are you really mighty? Can you really, can you really do the things that God said you can do? Do you really believe that? I mean, look at you. Look at your, look at your history. Look at your... And then the devil puts you down. And then now, all of a sudden, the period which represents the truth, you kind of put it aside and you kind of, yeah, you know what? It does seem more, makes, it makes more sense. It does make more sense. Can I really do this? See, don't, don't put a, a question mark where God has placed a period. Don't settle for the devil's lies. Don't settle for the natural. Are you here with me? The devil will come with a question mark. When the devil comes with a question mark, you go, stop it. You know, I'm holding on to God's truth. He says, I'm a, I'm a champion. That's it. That's the truth. And see, it's the grace of God that will work out that truth in our lives. So believe in your hearts that Jesus can do the impossible in, your, in all your circumstances Secondly, true faith must lead you to action. Okay? True faith must lead you to action. We've seen it in these two individuals. What about you today? In your circumstance, in your adversity, in your trial right now, how will true faith lead you to action? What kind of action will you do? Will you wallow in self-pity? Or will you walk in the truth of God's word? I am more than a conqueror. I may be in lack right now. Paul was in lack. The Apostle Paul was in lack. But he said, in his lack, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It means, even if I'm in lack, I'm content. God can provide for me faithfully. You see, the devil's coming against you. Oh, it's so stressful. Everything's coming against me. The Bible says, when an enemy comes against you, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard 
Like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against the enemy. The devil is showing to you, you can't beat me. And you're being scared. And then the truth, the Holy Spirit reminds you, greater is he who's in you than he was in the world. What will you believe? What kind of action will you take? You see, we can bring ourselves to Jesus. That's the faith action there. We can bring ourselves to Jesus. And the good thing is also we can bring others to Jesus. Just like the four friends of the paralytic brought him to Jesus. Not only was he forgiven of his sins, but he was healed. Okay? You see, it's not where you are right now. Lord, do you understand where I am right now? He perfectly does. That's why he's given us his grace. It's not where you are that matters. It's where Jesus is. So you go to Jesus in prayer. You go to Jesus in faith. You be in his presence. You see, when you're always in the presence of greatness, all mediocrity, all stupidity, all things sinful will be nothing compared to the greatness of the glory of the presence of God. So be in the presence of God. Thirdly, Jesus sees and rewards your faith in action. So we're just repeating what, what we've seen, but this, is, this time I'm speaking to you right now. When Jesus looks at you, will he see faith? Will he see faith in your life? Will he see trust in your life? Will he see that, he tr- that you trust him? That no matter what ha- what's happening, you're standing strong, trusting in him. Fourthly, Jesus sees and rewards your faith in action. And the next one is this. Your miracle takes place only when you encounter Jesus. See, the miracle is only in Jesus. You go to him. The miracle is not in some witch doctor or some faith healer or, you know, or a business uh, expert who will give you a formula for success. It may work for a time. But ultimately, when you talk about victory in life, only Jesus can provide that. Even victory in impossible circumstances. See, people, situations, no matter how impossible they may be, they all will bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your circumstance, maybe you're suffering from cancer. That cancer is nothing before Jesus. Now, some people, I've heard some people, why is it that we prayed and prayed and prayed for God to heal this person and the person didn't get healed? You see, if you notice, when the four friends of the paralytic brought the paralytic to Jesus, obviously his great need was what? Healing, right? But what did Jesus do? First and foremost, what did he extend to the paralytic? First and foremost. What he did shows what was more important. You see, he didn't heal him at first. He forgave his sins. You see, even your sickness here on earth is temporary. What Jesus is gunning for is the eternal in your heart. He wants you to be right with him. You see, what can cancer do to you? It can just kill the body, but can it kill Your spirit can kill your eternity. It can if you will allow it to. But Jesus is more concerned with your eternity. And if part 
of the eternal glory is to bring healing to you, then let him heal. He will heal. He, he wants to heal. See, it doesn't matter. I've seen people, Christians, they've been believing for healing, and yet even God did not heal them, but their faith is strong. And people who were trying to console them, when they encounter them, those people who were sick, but their faith was so strong, they were the ones infecting the others with, the, with his faith. And the people would go, man, I don't think I can go through life with that. But that man, that woman is going through a lot, and yet it doesn't matter. They have a strength inside that the cancer is, it didn't even matter. You get what I'm saying here? But God can heal nonetheless. Come on now. My uh, challenge to you is dare to believe God for the impossible. But God will take care of, what, of the primary thing. What is the most important thing? Does that make sense? Maybe we say, Lord, this is my need. No, your greatest need is this. I'll meet that first, and then we'll meet that need second. But the point is, we come to Jesus. So let me end with this. Active faith in Christ allows us to see God in action. Put it another way, our faith in action will enable us to see God in action in our lives. How many of you want to see God in action in your life? We want to see that, don't we? See, active faith will allow you to see God. I heard a story before as we end here. Somebody said, you know, three things, three types of people in the world. People who make things happen, people who see things happen, and people who ask what happened. They miss out on what just happened. It's like that uh, a couple of days ago, Twitter was, was exploding, trending with the Miss Universe fiasco. And people were like, everybody knew about it, and people were like commenting in the tweet feeds, like, what's going on? What happened? What happened? You know, so people missed out on what happened. Okay, so in the internet, you can go back to the videos, okay? So, but sometimes in life's opportunities, there's no replay. There's no, there's no retweet of that. Opportunities happen right before you, and sometimes when it comes, it doesn't, go, it doesn't pause and, okay, rewind. It's only God who can do that in his own time. But many times, opportunities come before us and see people sometimes ask what happened. They miss out on what God... How many of you want to miss out on what God's doing in your life? And in the world. You want, it? you want that to happen? We want to see God doing great things in us and even through us. But that requires us coming to Jesus, latching onto him with faith, with eyes of faith, trusting and having a conviction. This is the real truth that we can latch our lives on. Amen? Active faith in Christ allows us to see God in action in our lives. Let's all stand right now. I want to pray for those of you, how many of you have seemingly impossible circumstances, adversities? I mean, you may look at what's happened in our text, you know, in our story, and you say, ah, I'm, I'm okay. But really, you mean, sometimes what's, sometimes in, in your, what we see as small things may be big things to us. And maybe for you right now, you feel overwhelmed. You feel weighed down and you feel like nothing is going to change in your circumstance. 
You see, God's a God of miracles. And He can do the impossible. Will you believe God to change your heart and to turn your circumstance? Will you dare to believe Him for that? If you're in that category, you say, Pastor Neil, I'm, I'm, I'm weighed down by my circumstances. I'm discouraged. I feel there's a sense of finality to it. But I've heard about what Jesus can do. And I'm coming to Him right now. Would you lift up your hand? So bow our heads right now. And that's you. Would you lift up your hand right now? I'd just like to pray for those who are in those circumstances right now. <laughs> Lord, you see the hands of your people here. They're raised they're acknowledging that they are overwhelmed, but Lord, we thank you that no situation is too overwhelming for you. And Lord, we thank you that you care about our hearts more than the circumstance. Lord, the Apostle Paul asked you and pleaded with you many times to remove the, the thorn on his side. But you said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. He didn't remove the, th the thorn. You gave him the power and the grace to overcome it. So Lord, whether you bring healing, you whether you bring healing or you change our circumstance or you bring greater strength to us so that we can overcome our circumstance, Lord, let your will be done in our lives. But for us, whose hands are lifted, we give you our hearts. We put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. And we come to you today saying, Lord, we repent of trusting in ourselves or trusting in, in people or trusting in institutions to bring salvation to us, to bring the miraculous to us. So that only you can provide the miracle we need. And Lord, we come to you, Jesus, for you are the one who has all the power, Lord, to change our hearts and to deliver us from these dire circumstances. We look to you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, to deliver us. And Lord, I pray for those situations right now. Lord, let your will be done. Lord, we say to those circumstances, they are not impossible with God. With God, all things are possible. And Lord, right now, we declare your victory over those situations, over those adversities. We, Lord, I, pro I proclaim your wisdom to be upon your people that they would know what to do, Lord, that they would be led by your spirit, they would be guided by your truth, and that they would base their lives on your truth, not on what the devil says, not what the circumstances say, not what the adversities say, but they would base their lives on your truth. And Lord, as they do so, Lord, bring healing, Lord. We ask that you would bring healing. We ask that you would bring deliverance. We ask that you would bring provision. We ask that you would bring breakthroughs. We ask that you would pour out your spirit upon them. That more than just the circumstance, they would delight in your presence. Lord, everything pales in comparison, compared to being in your presence. It's like what the psalmist said, better is the day, a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, let your presence, Lord, let us dwell in your presence. Let us come to you, Jesus, and we ask that you would transform our lives. In your name we pray. Now, I'd like to pray for those, maybe some of you are sick right now, or maybe you know someone who's sick. Is anybody like that? You're, you, you have a sickness, or maybe you have a friend or family member who's battling with you know, cancer or 
something, something terminal. Anybody like that? So can, can you just raise your hands. And, and I'd like for you, those of you around these people, would you just pray with them, please? Would you lay your hands on them? Whether they're believing for themselves or they're believing for someone else, would you just stand with them and you know, lay your hands on them and, and pray? Let's believe God uh, to bring healing. Father, right now you see the circumstances of these people, Lord, who are trusting you for healing for themselves or for their loved ones. Lord, in the case of this, of, of Jairus, Lord, you went with Jairus to physically lay your hand on the dead girl. But there was another ruler, a centurion, who came to you and said, my servant is sick and I'm asking you to heal him. But you don't need to come with me. You don't need to go there. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And you saw his faith, his great faith. I've never seen any, any kind of faith in Israel like this one. And then you healed the centurion's servant without even going to that person and touching him. Lord, we ask the same. Lord, whether you... doesn't really matter, Lord. Distance is no problem for you. Lord, say the word. And we will be healed. Say the word and our, and our loved ones will be healed. Just say the word, Lord. And Father, more importantly, Lord, I pray that you'd use these people to minister your gospel to them, to, 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 to Lord, so that they can minister to those people's greatest need, which is salvation. And Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your healing to take place upon these people right now. And upon their loved ones. In the name of Jesus. We say to these sicknesses. To these diseases right now. Be gone in the name of Jesus. And we speak to their bodies right now. Be healed in Jesus name. Lord we dare to believe. Just like Jairus. And just like that woman. They dared to believe. You saw their faith. And you rewarded their faith. Lord we dare to believe right now. We're not putting you in a box. We're just saying we're there to believe that you will do and accomplish your purpose in us. Whether it be through healing or salvation or both, let your will be done. But we put ourselves in a place where we can receive your work in our lives that your glory may be revealed in and through us. Right now, Lord, I thank you for that healing right now. Just begin to receive by faith that healing from the Spirit of God. And Lord, thank you for the testimony that will be coming forth as a result of this, of this people coming to you today in faith. And Lord, thank you for that healing. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. We give you all the praise and glory. We thank you for your blessings. And we look forward to next year, daring to believe you, even for greater things that you have prepared for us. We lift up to you our lives, our families, our destinies. And we offer these to you for your glory and honor. In your most precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. God is great. Amen. Dare to believe God.